Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. This is the BBC. Hiya, thanks for downloading the show. My name is Susan Kalman. I'm a comedian and this is my podcast, Mrs Brightside, a cheerful take on depression. Today I'm talking to Mark Watson. For a lot of people, it is as simply as, look at her dancing, she, she must have a great life. What, yeah. So then what is she complaining about? It's like the woman who came up to my wife in the toilets of the Stan Comedy Club and went, must be a laugh a minute living with Susan. It's and I've never seen my wife laugh so much. <laughs> yeah, it's because... amazing. People have said that to me or to, yeah. to people around me as well. Yeah. I bet he's fun to live oh, with. Oh, he must name. be a great laugh, eh? No, he definitely is not. <laughs> yeah. I think it's an example to everyone that depressed people aren't as miserable as some might say. In fact, I feel far more cheery after my discussion than I did before. Mr Mark Watson, I've known you for some time. Hello, Susan. Hello. Yes, I'm Mark Watson. <laughs> for people who are not aware of your uh, glorious work, please explain who you are. <laughs> I'm one of these guys you get, a uh, comedian, writer, um, I pop up on TV. A lot of people often say you pop up on things, don't you? Which is not, it's a bit of a depressing uh, kind of bio, but it is true. I'm one of these people you just see around a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I normally say I'm a writer first rather than a comedian, partly because I sort of take more pride in that, and partly because you yourself know um, introducing yourself as a comedian isn't a great way into a conversation normally. No, it's a terrible, it's a terrible thing. I was in a taxi uh, once and they said, what do you do? And I said, it was an air hostess. <laughs> because if yeah. you say you're a comedian... I've done, well, I used to have a bit of stand-up about it, uh, pretending to be a zookeeper, in, in, for the same reason, yeah, you can't go in with comedian. You, no. uh, the, the the worst thing I find is people just tell you um, their opinions of other comedians. Absolutely, I tell you who I like, and I tell you who I don't like. I, <laughs> I could tell you the, the preferences of most taxi drivers in, in London, comedy wise. They always say to me in Glasgow, they always go, "I'll tell you who is funny." Kevin Bridges. Yeah, Kevin yeah, I was going to guess Kevin Bridges, yes. yeah. And that's a really lovely passive-aggressive insult you've just passed. The way they say who is funny, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you who I do like. I'll tell you who I would rather had got into the back of my cab, Kevin Bridges. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We all think that. I love Kevin. That happens in Edinburgh a lot as well, because when the fringe is on, you know, tax drivers not only got opinions, but they might have been to shows as well. Yeah. So then they'll start... How's your show going? Oh, yeah, good. I'll tell you whose show I did enjoy. And then it really is personal because <laughs> yeah. you think, are you telling me you have seen me? That's what they used to do at the launch of the Glasgow Comedy Festival. They did a night for taxi drivers. That's because, a, it is a great idea because they talk because so, then they to talk everyone. to people about yeah. the shows. But you, whether you want their opinions or not depends on whether uh, <laughs> yes, whether you're their thing or not, basically. For the record, I think taxi drivers are amazing people. So do I, especially in Edinburgh especially and anywhere in else Glasgow, where word of mouth travels so quickly. If yeah. you're listening to this and you're a taxi driver in any city... I very much value your work. I have had some quite good chats with tax drivers, actually. People people give them a hard time. I know obviously some you, you, that are, it's really uncomfortable, but uh, I, you do sometimes get a real... Occasionally you just get someone off on their life story mm. and you just sort of set, settle back and think, this is all right, actually. Yeah. Like Private Hard or Addison Lee and those sort of drivers, they've quite often had quite interesting... They've done something completely different and then they've come to it late in life. On the other hand, sometimes you, the last thing you want is to talk and then you're stuck for half an hour and it's a nightmare. <laughs> so, um... Anyway. This is a podcast um, 
about depression and all that. Um, mainly because, and this is simply my opinion, that I think talking about how we feel about things can help. Sometimes it doesn't help some people. For me, it very much helps. And this is just about starting um, a dialogue. People might listen to this and think, oh, maybe I could talk to somebody. And it's about sharing experiences because depression's very different for everyone, isn't it? It really is, yeah. And I think it's a good idea, this, because... Um podcasts are kind of nicely under the radar sort of thing people can listen to them wherever they want in the, on their own terms and so i think i think this sort of format allows you to chat about stuff which um because it is quite um yeah it's really difficult to generalize about any aspect of depression i think you see it all the time um people like on social media and stuff trying to have like a movement about depression trying to encourage but there are a lot of campaigns about it but none of them fit everyone basically because mm. like you say in fact part of the problem with depression is that you're quite locked into your own brain so um people all these things are really well intentioned but often pe- like people uh, movements adverts or anything trying to encourage you to open up about it will often make people feel the exact opposite i think mm. so what we need is not like i think what we need is not i mean it's good to have like Depression week and awareness weeks and stuff like that. But what we need is just overall climate of people being better talking about it. So that's why I think this sort of thing is a good idea. Yeah, there's no question that mental health awareness week and and everything else absolutely does help because then people sometimes definitely share their stories. Um, I think it's, for me, I've found it for years very difficult to talk about the feelings in my head. And it still is. It still is difficult. And you know, it's one of those things, I wrote a book about it. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask about that, like whether you, uh, whether at that point you were already used to talking about no. it or whether the book changed your It's because I wrote it. it in my room. It was very strange. I wrote it in my room, wrote it and then sent it off to the publishers and they published it. And then I did like book tours and I had to talk about it and I yeah. still couldn't talk about it. Yeah, doing like standing up in front of people is very, very different from writing a book yeah. in your room, obviously, as we both know, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, a book about something as personal as depression is not an easy book tour to pull no. off, I would think. Because then people, and it's lovely, talk to me about their experiences. But I, I don't know, sometimes I'm not in the best place to cope with other people's Yeah, stories. you potentially end up taking on an enormous amount of baggage. Mm-hmm. That is another slightly odd thing about um, talking about stuff that's in your head from the starting point of having a profile, like we both do to some extent. You, the, you will, like if you talk about feeling depressed or unhappy on... Um, Twitter say I do, I do get quite a lot of messages back from people who are quite likely in way worse place than me and I don't as you say I'm not always I, I don't feel I've either got the training or necessarily just the not the inclination I always want to help people but yeah sometimes you're not up to it and you, you no. worry that you've opened a sort of Pandora's box basically yes um which is why again it's why it's important there's just an overall climate of people talking about the feelings rather than just like spikes of it now and mm-hmm. again and I think we're getting better I think the climate of it is quite um I think it's way there's way less of a stigma than there used to be around it but it doesn't mean it's easier for individuals at any given moment because you just don't know what's in people's heads do you ever no and I mean I think in our world comedy stand-up writing um having a depression or a mental health issue is really not uncommon no, I think that you know, is fair to say, yeah. So the amount of shows at the Edinburgh Fringe where people say, I, I've got depression... Is, it's it's is, almost become like a running joke, yes. isn't it? Like, that if you haven't got either... A, if you haven't had either yeah. a, 
bereavement. Like a, for, yes. it was a dead dad show. Dead it was dad the cliche show. one yes. year. And then a couple of years ago, everyone was. I remember someone doing it. I can't remember who it was. That's the sad thing about it. But it was a good show about talking quite about a bit about mental health. And I heard someone on the way out saying, "Yeah, it's just another one of those emotional breakdown shows." Yeah. And you start thinking, God, it's true. That's somebody's lifetime journey but it comes down to yet another hour on the fringe about yeah depression so it's and that is it's kind of a difficult thing about it um this cliche of comedians being uh miserable offstage is such an old thing that you it sounds stupid but you, you do feel a bit hack doing it like mm-hmm. you feel like you look in the mirror and think do i really want to be one of these comedians with a dark side like that's it's the most boring angle for a comedian <laughs> possible but yeah and that presents its own danger of course because we're allowed to be sad just like anyone else. We, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be feeling depressed and then thinking, "Oh, this is really unoriginal." Because <laughs> Susan's also been yeah, depressed. That's the, that's the thing. <laughs> it was like uh, the year Bridget Christie won for a book for her, which yeah. was a fantastic show. About and that was the year of feminism. feminism. That's right, the feminism go, year. Yeah, I think Jenny Eclair years ago probably had a bit of feminism. You know, that's right. Yeah, suddenly it's a year of something. The papers were writing articles about. So this is the year women do stand up. Yes, sort of I, know, I believe I, know. I have seen that before. Uh, and I remember Felicity Ward, who's been on the podcast who did a brilliant show called What If There's No Toys. I went to see that, yeah. Uh, which was about her struggle with IBS and just, you know, worrying about what if there's no toilet. And I remember we talked about it and the year of depression was the year after that, you see. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. she missed it by doing a show about depression the wrong year. Yeah, very unlucky. At least the IBS <laughs> thing is, that's quite an unusual angle. It's, I, it's I haven't seen many angle. people do almost a whole show about needing the toilet before. <laughs> Felicity's got that territory Felicity, sewn up, I you think. Know, and she has because I used to do a bit about need, thinking I needed the toilet and I thought, I can't, Felicity's got that. Mind you, I went to see Sarah Millican um, a few weeks ago She and she's got, a, it's only five minutes, but a little bit about IBS. And uh, again, comedians being what they are, my first thought almost was, this is funny, but Felicity's done a, a whole show about this. It shows you how hard it is to say anything that hasn't already the, been done by is, some... I think the reason even why... Even pooing among female comedians, Felicity which you think is quite niche. on stage with her. She had I toilet mean, rolls she, everywhere and she, she committed really, so she hard. She went full force for the toilet. She, she, kind of she was, really lived it, yeah. It's no longer enough just to mention it on stage. I, I think, you see, the reason why I think depression is good comedically for a show is that it is so personal that yeah. when I talk about my depression... No one else can talk about it in the same way. That's right, yeah. That's why it doesn't get old as a subject for comedians because mm-hmm. nobody else has the exact same thoughts as you. And, and and depression is such an enormous word for millions of different tiny issues, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's why it's not really a cliche. And I think that's important as well. I think it's away from comedy. I think it's important just for, for real people <laughs> to remember that... Um, as you say, your problems are individually yours. So, which doesn't mean that you you can't be helped. No one can help you, but just there's no need to feel like you're boring someone with it, or that you're being stupid about it. Because literally nobody else can tell you exactly what your experience is like. Yes. That's why it's hard to medicate and hard to deal with depression. That's why it's also hard to think because, um, like you say, literally just the effort of communicating what your thoughts are. Is, it's hard even if you're not depressed. Even trying to describe any feeling to someone else is hard, and it's why we have um, sort of books and songs and stuff. Like uh, emotional expression is one of the most difficult things humans can try and do. So doing it from a negative place is in- incredibly hard. But that's why the effort. That's why you have to make the effort. You have to push through the thing of like, oh, this is really stupid, or I'm not going to be able to express this um, because ultimately humans are 
weirdly good at it at the same time I think mm. like, it's amazing how well we can understand each other given that we're all trapped in our own brains but it is a challenge nonetheless it's, mm. it's tough I, I don't know how much you've talked about it on stage I haven't really seen you talk about it much I know there was a, a show you did that was largely about it I think wasn't it yeah but I mean I, I, talked, I, I talked about it in terms of a part of who I am trying to explain why I'm not the person people think I am mm-hmm. because people have expectations I'm that nice lassie from Radio 4. And actually, I have some very dark thoughts. Yeah, you're just not, trying to you're confront not nice. That. That's... <laughs> I'm not a nice person. <laughs> you are Radio 4, I suppose. Thing. After Strictly Come Dancing, everyone thinks I'm joyous. Oh, you'll never get away from that now. No, yeah, like, no. Although I saw bits of that, and you, you did talk there about how, mm. you know, how the dancing, how that whole process moved you into a different mental place. And, oh, absolutely. You know, I th- you, absolutely. you did really well to make that as public as you did. I, I had to confront my body image issues yeah. hugely. It was very impressive. Which was very difficult, which I've never really talked about on stage. Because it's not... Th- there's, there's a danger that a stand-up set becomes therapy. Yeah. And people haven't paid to see me work out my issues. No, that's right. I often feel like that as well. Um Exactly. People haven't. Comedians will sometimes joke and say, "This is cheaper than, this is cheaper than me actually getting therapy." Uh, I've I've seen various comedians do sort of a version of that joke, yeah. but at times, as you say, it's uncomfortably close to not being the joke. And yeah. I've I've seen comedians um, talk about stuff. I mean, you should be able to talk about whatever you want, but you, I think you do have to make it entertaining. Yeah, people have, but I, I don't just feel like that about depression either. Sometimes um, when comedians are like when comedians are so political that there's kind of no jokes at all you do sort of think i mean this is this is fun it's all very interesting but loads of other people in the world are saying this people have specifically come to see you because you're funny so you should try a bit to be funny (laughs) try a bit and i feel that with depression as well i'd love to do a show where i just told people i didn't worry about any punchlines i just sat people down for an hour and said right this is some this is some difficult shit I've dealt with. <laughs> but yeah, at some point you have to accept the audience probably don't expect that. I mean, Hannah Gadsby yeah. is probably the most extreme example oh, we, absolutely. We've, we've ever seen of that yes. for people that didn't see it. She did a show that was about, um, well, not easy to describe. She is, no, um, and I should say, if you've been listening to the other podcast, we have talked about Nanette before. Yeah, I imagine it's I've come up. I've just seen it's being released on Netflix. Mm. So you will be able to see the show that we've I've talked about with a number of other people. It's going to be on Netflix if you've got that. You'll be able to see Nanette and see what we're talking about. Yeah, it can't really be summed up. No. But it's certainly not really a comedy show. That It sort of sets out to destroy the idea of a comedy show in a way by talking about subjects that are so painful and dark that you shouldn't be able to make comedy out of them and then pointing out that the audience is wrong to want to laugh about all that stuff, the stuff that's really weird and challenging for a comedian to I find uh, it very difficult to listen to because the bit that struck with me, and I don't know about you, is where she said she was complicit in laughing at... She was complicit in diminishing her own pain. She made jokes about things that were actually really awful. Yeah, and no comedian could hear that without thinking... recognising the truth of that and feeling weirded out by it because I've done that, everyone's done that. Complicit in my own suffering and in the problems of the world in general. And most comedians know that, but no one talks about it on stage very much like that. Mm. Yeah, she she specifically talked about how every every time she'd, she'd done a joke about... It ranged from stuff like how she looked to just like the way women are oppressed in general. Every one of those punchlines, which she did even within that show, she did it for like the first 20 minutes just to show us how 
laughter was a way of opting out of actually caring about stuff. And Mm -hmm. that is really spooky for a stand-up to watch that and think, yeah, essentially that's my whole method, everyone's method. And she's not just proving it's, it's... cheap she's sort of showing that it's really evil yeah because she <laughs> for talks about and comedy is very much like a horror film it's yeah a you, the shock releases and a release. and, yeah and she's she talks about that in the show and it's true because if i said <clears throat> i remember i told a joke in a show which was um i tried to kill myself right which isn't the joke that is true yeah i didn't think and, that was the joke and no no <laughs> and i would add it on to it at the end I told that joke in Glasgow and a man in the front row leaned forward and said, did you manage it? Right. So I have immediately diminished the impact. Yeah. Because it's because I'm a comedian. Yeah. But I remember when you, she said you that, You want I went, the gag. Obviously, you want the gag. You want the gag because I'm a comedian. It's kind of your duty to do that. Yeah. Exactly. But at the same time, I, I listened to Hannah Gadsby and I went, oh, God, because no one will... Because then people, people go, well, did she? Is it? And That's right. Yeah. And... 99% of comedians will always go for the gag, even mm. if that means that people go away going, well, maybe maybe didn't mean any of it then. But yeah. that's, I had a long um, sequence in what was probably my best show, certainly my most successful show. There was loads of gags about drinking, uh, alcoholism in general, and um, it, it was all true. Well, I wasn't exactly a functional alcoholic, but I had a real issue with it at the time, which... Um, needed to be confronted but because the jokes were working well obviously it meant that people thought like I, 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 even subconsciously people walked away thinking well if he was in that much trouble he wouldn't be able to do those mm-hmm. those jokes as you know we can do both uh that's, that's the job yeah <laughs> plus i talked about other aspects of mental health within the same show but those were also cheapened by the by the drinking one line and my whole thing on stage is to be quite shambolic and talk about what a mess stuff is anyway so um and I kind of like that as well that's the thing I like holding the audience at that arm's length a bit I think I like like, I like people leaving thinking well that was good but was it real or was it you know most performers kind of enjoy that type of thing which is why it was startling to watch Hannah just basically saying you keep looking for entertainment here but I'm not giving it to you I'm telling you what's actually happening and plus as as a man as well I think you know, a lot of the shows are specifically about male violence, male violence towards women, the patriarchy, the history of male brutality, all this stuff. So I was even watching it thinking, I even felt like by enjoying or appreciating it, I was somehow helping or mm-hmm. adding to the problem. I wrote to her afterwards, I emailed her to say, just sort of to say how much I enjoyed it, but also that I understood if it wasn't if I wasn't meant to enjoy it, because it, it was just so hard to know how to respond to it, basically. I, I've given up stand-up for a while, mm. and I'm not saying Hannah Gadsby caused it, but she's part of it. It because certainly I makes you wonder about it, I couldn't intellectually get my head around what I was doing anymore. I still haven't, really. Like I, I walked away from the show thinking, the, the, yeah, this raises quite a lot of questions, and and I've got a new show, but I haven't really resolved the questions. I've just accepted that... I sp- well, I suppose except in the sense that I do write books um, and other stuff. I try and find other artistic outlets. I think maybe this is why I do other stuff, and, and probably the same for you, why I try and write other types of stuff. I think if you, if all of your um, relationship with the world is through stand-up, I wouldn't be able to handle that at all, for the sort of reasons we've just been talking about. Yes. Because then your life is almost 100% either trashing stuff or ridiculing it, and I don't think I've got the temperament for that. In, in some ways, I mean, possibly over-intellectualising it, but it could be one of the reasons that 
a lot of comedians do struggle at some point why their worldviews become so um can become so negative because as a comedian even a happy-go-lucky comedian even one that whose act is quite frivolous you still are looking for stuff to punch down yes. at the whole time if you if you're not careful uh, you've spent 10 years of your life looking for stuff to take the piss out of it's perhaps not a very healthy way to engage with the world from from your personal experience then would you say that you have suffered from depression in your life oh definitely but um as we were saying it's quite um because it's such a big word it's quite difficult to disentangle the different um i think in general it's fair to say that i've had quite an i'm i'm a person of quite extreme uh moods um i tend to uh but so for example i had a um, my marriage ended and i um the whole load of difficult stuff around that and also building up to it uh, and I've got kids and things, which it raises the emotional temperature uh, as well. So basically, there was I had a three or four year period of life where um, I was quite uh, quite consistently depressed, but also stuff um, was there was loads of stuff wrong in my life. If you see what I mean, mm. so it's quite difficult to se- separate being depressed sort of by your circumstances from just feeling weirdly awful for no reason. That hasn't happened to me as often, but it still does happen. And I have a real tendency to, um, I've talked about this before, and I don't think I'm, you know, this is not an unusual thing, but I, I do tend to, I have the sort of personality that spirals very easily and finds patterns. So, like, if one thing, if two unconnected things go wrong for me in a day, um, I'll convince myself that that is a sign of just, like, overall failure, anything. I talked about this, I think it was on uh, Sophie Hagen's podcast, I was talking about how... I am the sort of person that can lose my keys and then like it's very few steps to thinking I've failed at everything I've ever done <laughs> in my life. I've just got that kind of yeah. catastrophizing mm-hmm. mentality. So that's that is what makes me quite prone to depression I think. I I am able to like uh, other people will have a couple of bad days and pass it off as a couple of bad days. I tend to I've got kind of a panicky tendency to take every blow like it's really like it's the end of the world. So mm-hmm. that's been my biggest problem in life, I think. I've, I've never been... I had a short period. I was on antidepressants um, a few years ago. I, I managed to... Well, I don't know if manage is the word. There's absolutely nothing wrong with doing it. I, I was keen to not be using them when my life situation became easier because I wanted to see if I'd feel better just from living in a healthy way, looking after myself better, which I have done. I've mm-hmm. made a lot of positive lifestyle changes over the past couple of years which so I'm generally in a better place in life but um I'm as vulnerable to massive low periods still because as you know a lot of it isn't to do with the situation you're in in life a lot of it is your brain just being just doing stuff that doesn't make sense telling you things that aren't true I mean comedy isn't the reason why I'm depressed I've been depressed. I've I've had the I've I've had this brain as long as I can remember. I've always worried. Yeah. I've always thought the worst. I, I mean, I've always believed. One of the reasons I don't celebrate and I always downplay any success I have is because I truly believe, weirdly, if I get pleased with myself, it will all go wrong. So I'd rather say no. I'm not very good at everything, and I'm not because it's just the way I've lived my life. I think I'm very similar. Yeah. I, it feels like. It feels like you'll be punished somehow. Oh yes, I will be punished. As soon as you start publicly admitting things are going right. Absolutely, absolutely. And if I think I'm exactly like you, if something happens, so a show that I did was cancelled, and 
that's it. I'm never going to work again. Yeah. Is the way my brain then suddenly goes. Yeah, I think a lot of comedians are like that because we, we have a weird, insecure, like the whole nature of the business is just people picking you or picking someone else, as we know. So it couldn't be more personal, really. <laughs> it's like being back at school and you're waiting for being chosen at PE. That's right. Our life is basically that. Yeah. You Sometimes, the, I mean, luckily some of that process is invisible to us, but some of it isn't. Sometimes, I, I'm sure it's the same for you, I've been offered of, or what appears to be an offer of a gig. Um, you'll say, yeah, I'm available, I can do that. Then they'll say, cool, well, I'll take that back to the client. They're looking at four or five different people and... I can more or less guess who they who those people are. It'll be like me, Jason Manford, perhaps Catherine Ryan. Depends what it is, but like yep. I, I know the sort of people I'm in the same arena as, and I'll quite often, well, generally it will be Jason. <laughs> and that's the thing. I've, so it literally is that. But there aren't that many jobs where I mean, obviously, there, in all jobs, people get promoted over you. People get the things you wanted, but there aren't many jobs where almost day to day you're in competition with and I like, I like Jason I like Catherine like, no bitterness towards individual people but it's exhausting living knowing that you're being compared even within a gig if there's four of you on it, inevitably the audience is thinking oh, I liked him I, I preferred yeah. her to him like and I would say I don't know how you find it like I'd say considering all that relationships between comedians are pretty good there's surprisingly I reckon there's less proper bitching and nastiness between us than there is like actors I'm often around actors and I'm scared by how much bitchiness there is I think because mm. at least we have the opportunity to make our own jobs a bit I suppose we're not totally at the mercy both of us do stuff that's not dependent on absolutely being picked out of absolutely. the line absolutely I think as we've well we've got though, some autonomy you know <clears throat> I think as well though we all know the state of the world as in budgets are being cut comedy is being slashed across the board right yeah it shows are cancelled for everyone for, for sure everyone, yeah. um, people aren't making as much comedy as they used to and I think I just want to make... Sh- I- I'm pleased for people... It's a very strange thing. I'm very pleased if someone gets something made because I know the hell they must have gone yeah, through to get that made. That means it is possible for it to happen. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah, I, I agree, actually. There's There's been very few times I've actually felt... Uh, well, no, I've definitely been jealous plenty of times. Oh, yeah. But um, yeah. I, I rarely look at someone and think they shouldn't have got that, even if I don't like the person. Because as yes. you say, you're aware how gruelling the process must have been. Completely. Nobody and do, gets think, stuff just thrown at them. I mean, at the Fringe, it's very interesting. The Fringe, which I love and hate in equal measure, yeah. is the place where I have supported other comics and also cried on the shoulders of other comics. Yeah. It's a very intense period. It's extraordinarily intense, yeah, because... Now, not only are you in competition with a lot of people, but they're literally alongside you. You're in the same building as 10 other shows. And f- frequently you're struggling to sell tickets, but the person that's on after you is selling out. Oh, there's so many yeah. situations like that in Edinburgh. Yeah. Like You walk past the reviews board yeah. and it's a sea of uh, Felicity Ward's reviews. Because this has happened to me before. Felicity Ward has a whole wall and then I've got one three-star review. That's right, which they've somewhere. cut a little bit out of because it's not very nice. They've cut the stars <laughs> on one quote that says, adequate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a decent hour. And walk past that going, oh, damn you, Felicity, in your toilet. Yeah, <laughs> fine, maybe I've got IBS. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have got IBS. I just choose not to talk about it. <laughs> I've been to the toilet twice today. Where's my five-star review? <laughs> it, yeah, so it happens, it does happen to you. Yeah, yeah it's, um, and those are people you like. like yeah, that's one of, the, one of the reasons Edinburgh is so draining is that it, it forces you into competition with people that you'd normally love. And um, yeah, it's a real, like, probably half the fringe is 
about having a good show and as much as the other 50% of it is just preserving your own um, sanity and withdrawing. And I think if you get as old as, as I am, probably you are fringe-wise, I've done an awful lot of Edinburgh now, you do un- you understand how to... You could you just take yourself out of it for a period. I don't have any reviews in the in the house, no newspapers, any of that. Even in years when it's going well, I just don't want to. I don't want to see it. I don't want to no. see what people are saying about other people, about my friends. And you know, I don't. You can't avoid it, like you say, because reviews are plastered over every single yes. space. But I'm not going to open papers and look for. I, no. I can't be doing that anymore. No. Um, I go out running a lot. I just do. I do activities that are not connected with the fringe. All of that helps, and I love it. I love it. The fringe. 
yeah, but it was really unprofessional. You mm. shouldn't behave like that. And eventually you, ha- you, accept, you accept that there's just nothing you can do. Yeah. And a few instances like that still w- w- convinced me to at least get be sober enough to know what I had done the previous night. You I know? think, yeah, I think my, my paranoia, mm. which I'm desperately paranoid, and the worst thing in the world is that you can't remember what it is you did. Yeah, gaps in your memory yeah. get much more threatening as you get a bit older, I think. I, that, I remember that thing in the 20s of, like, oh, I can't remember half of last night. Yeah, like, that, like, That's really fun. <laughs> now that's chilling. <laughs> no, it's, did I go on Twitter? Yeah, exactly. What the hell did I do? Well, that's the other thing as well. When we were students, like the consequences of forgetting a whole chunk of the evening were very, very minor. Now we're A, well-known, relatively, and B... Uh, have a huge public forum, mm-hmm. especially like even on Strictly. Every anything you say on public is going to immediately be a, a big deal. So yeah, that doesn't go well with massive amounts of drinking. Unfortunately, no, I, not at all. And I mean, when I was a student, I fell asleep on mattresses in the middle of the road after a few vodka on. You know, you yeah. And and no one took a picture of me. No, and, nobody cares. And I could have shouted at someone in the street, and it didn't matter. Yeah. Whereas now, um. I think we're always one tweet away from destruction. Yeah, everyone knows that. Yeah, Roseanne Barr, which is... It's uh, extraordinary. Even though she's health. not going to be... The curious thing about Roseanne Barr, which, if you're listening to this in five years' time... <laughs> yeah, um, she used recently, to be a popular entertainer. Because these podcasts stay around forever. Um, Roseanne Barr uh, sent a Reese's tweet. Her sitcom's been cancelled Within hours it was over, yeah. Yeah. Um, and her excuses, she was on Ambien. Yes, I saw that. Yes. Amazing excuse, really. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Imagine if that was your excuse. I took an antihistamine this morning. Well, I don't yeah. know what I'm going to do I'm, for the rest I of the day. I might just get a bit racist later. <laughs> get a bit racist later on. But that, to, to be honest, one of my greatest concerns in life is seeing something when I'm in a bad way Yeah. that I will regret. I've done it before on Twitter and... And by the time you delete the tweet, obviously it's out there. It's, yeah. it's been seen by a lot of pairs of eyes. Um, and, yeah, like, obviously the solution is definitely never have Twitter or anything like that on if you are drunk, drunk. and sad. Yeah, Drunk and sad. But, of course, all of us, like, anybody likes the, I don't know if attention is the word, but if you... If you can tweet, oh, I'm really sad, uh, I think everyone hates my work, and you know that 30 strangers will say, but you're great, mm-hmm. then anyone would cave into that. I've seen other mm-hmm. comedians do it loads. It's, no, it's human nature. To, if, if you're fortunate enough to be in a position where people will um, will respond to that, then, or you don't even want the comfort, you just want something. That's the thing with Twitter. That, that, the, the thrill of getting an instant reaction is why people tweet extreme stuff, because there's nothing like... The speed of it is unbelievable. The the amount of responses you can get, mm-hmm. but as you say, that is also a massive trap. I uh, I got into. I'm not in trouble. People criticised me during Strictly. I would respond to some trolls. Yeah, I know, watched a bit of that because, happen. Very interesting. You know, um, and I got criticised, which I don't necessarily agree with because I didn't anonymise the person who sent me the tweet. Um, so. Over repeal the eighth, I sent a tweet saying "I'm with you, sisters" or something, and someone sent me a tweet saying "fat, unfunny liberals should stay out of Irish politics," and I did anonymise him. Yeah, time. which you didn't have to do. To I be didn't fair. have to do, but because I think if you send something, then you sent it to me. That's kind of how I feel as well. I do understand it. I understand that it's not it's not cool just to put hundreds of people onto them. But, but... from from my point of view, I was thinking, what if these people? Are in a bad way. That's yeah. So, in terms of protecting, because following on from the thing of 
I've been in a really bad way and sitting with my open Twitter screen. Yes. And they may have been the they may have sent that because they're in a bad situation. I, I think you've got to assume you've got to cut people a bit of slack yes. if you don't know anything about them because if you were in a perfectly healthy way, why would you be sending stuff about yes. like that to people? Yes. Not many trolls are particularly happy, surely. Like, what's the? I mean, some of them, some probably love doing it, but um, yeah. if yeah. somebody's, if someone has to do that with their, because I, I, that's the thing. I always feel like we, we're fortunate to have that. We've got an outlet. We can do creative stuff, and people, at least some people, are interested in it. But if you're doing, if you're sending those sort of tweets, that probably means you don't have any other outlet. Because if you did have, you wouldn't. There's people I think are rubbish. There's bands I don't like. There's loads of I would never send a tweet going, "Your music is shit," so, because I have a life where people do listen to me, so I don't need that. So yeah, you have to. I reckon you've got to assume that someone like that is a dick but they're being a dick because there's something missing from their life yes. so then yes. you owe it to them maybe to I think it's a protection thing protect, of yeah. do you know what I mean I'm trying to I think social media is a brilliant thing but it can also be quite difficult and do you know what again I hate Hannah Gadsby it's yeah. partly Hannah Gadsby uh, all of us because I suddenly started <laughs> thinking am I complicit in causing problems for others if I'm replying to people and I'm causing a pylon of people to them. It's a very interesting thing which we've never had to deal with in like until the past few years because this was just not a thing. Like nobody knows what the rules are for what's fair. On yeah, the, I think there. I don't know. I think uh, I have mixed feelings about it. Sometimes I see someone like uh, Ricky Gervais uh, set what in his case is like a fifteen million followers on someone, and I think mm, this is dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but equally, like you said, and even in the case of Ricky, I, I do kind of feel like someone's, someone attacking you, attacking your appearance, attacking what you stand for, it is an unprovoked attack mm. by them, or you provoked it by, in their opinion, being liberal mm-hmm. and fatter than they'd like. like, yeah. well, like that's not, that is not, How dare I survive That is not fair planet. game. <laughs> yeah. So in, in some senses, I do feel like if, they, if they're public enough to... Like if someone walked up to you in the street and punched you, which is sort of the equivalent, you would defend yourself by any means. That's it. And if you were yeah. with six guys, I don't mean men necessarily. If you were with six people, the six people probably would fight with you. Absolutely. In a sense, it is the same Absolutely. as that. You but know, what like, happens is that then, and I think it's one of those things that, that people get upset about. I, I find it it's a difficult situation when someone. My favourite one ever. You can bleep this out. I'm looking at my producer. Bleep this out because someone simply tweeted. Not the whole thing, just the word I'm about to say. Someone tweeted when I was on Strictly, fuck off, Calman, you Yeah. Now, all I'd done was do the was samba. It, was it the cha-cha? I was going to say. I hadn't yeah. done anything wrong. Well, you know, and sounds like, like, in their opinion, your samba was what, well below what standard. At what point? At what point? And I always I'm find sorry. That, I danced as fast as I could yeah. there. <laughs> and when people who don't even follow me, come on. I find it... Do you know what it is? I kind of understand it. My depression is sometimes about anger. Yeah, yeah. Right? Ev- everyone's is a bit, I reckon, yeah. Or, you get angry about stuff. Yeah. I just don't happen to sit and direct that anger towards you. No, but some people will do that, eh? And that's what, that's again, that's what that is. Someone doing that, they're angry about something that's got nothing mm. to do with you, and that's how it, because it has to be. Because, again, a person that's had a good day doesn't do that, <laughs> surely. To, I, I, was, I found it interesting, because I... Um, you know, I I know you well enough to be intrigued by you being becoming that famous out of well, not that you weren't known before, mm. but the escalation 
in people having opinions on you when mm. you're on something like Strictly is, mm. is phenomenal. So I was watching it, and of course, I, I was watching on Twitter and seeing like all these famous people coming, like supporting you. It was really exciting to see um, how it seemed to the positive impacts that that it seemed to have on you, on your self image, all this stuff. Just as, as someone that likes you, but yeah, I also saw. Um, extraordinary reactions to you, things that seemed I don't even really watch Strictly so I, I watched it a couple of times when you were on but like I find it difficult to, to I, I know I understand why people like the show but I don't understand why you could get that angry about it like Do you, you know, know. I, didn't, I didn't even get the worst of it and this was the very curious part about expression and I mean this is the thing about depression people think depression is sitting in a room crying Depression can actually be a very angry yeah, feeling. Absolutely. And I think when I saw what was directed towards Alexander Burke or Debbie McGee, I mean, really horrific stuff. Extraordinary stuff, and yeah. All they were doing was trying to dance. Yeah, Alexandra Burke got it, was in it till the final, wasn't she? Yeah. Oh, so she Lovely seemed girl. to get incredible amounts Lovely of grief. Girl. I couldn't, again, having not really seen the show that much, I couldn't decode much of it, but. People talk about her being fake or about her being like emotionally manipulative. Because here's or... the interesting thing. Alex started the show and her mum had just died. Yeah, yeah. And she was upset. And people suggested so... she wasn't upset because, again, people have the right to comment, even on our depression. Even on how we feel about our mum dying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like... So when I did the Strictly tour, I was very honest with the audience and said, I do have terrible body image issues. And it took a lot for me to dress as Wonder Woman and walk out and do the samba. Yeah. And I could hear people in the audience laughing. Yeah. Because they thought I wasn't telling the truth. Yeah, which yeah, which shows you the incredible gap between what's in your head and what someone else perceives. perceives. Yeah. yeah. You know, especially like the audience that watches Strictly probably not to generalize but plenty of them will just look at you and think well she obviously is a very successful she's a celebrity but like the moment you walk out on that floor you are somebody so of course you're of course you're happy you must be people do see it almost as, as simply as that of course people know celebrities have troubled other lives but for a lot of people it is as simply as look at her dancing she she must have a great life what, yeah. so then what is she complaining about it's like the woman who came up to my wife in the toilets of the stand comedy club and went must be a laugh a minute living with Susan. And I've never seen my wife laugh so much. <laughs> yeah, it's because... amazing. People have said that to me as, or yeah. to, to people around me as well. Yeah. I bet he's fun to live oh, with. Oh, he must things. be a great laugh, eh? No, he definitely is not. <laughs> yeah. Susan's the worst person in the world to live S- with. Say that to any, almost any partner of a comedian yeah. and, and watch them yeah. try and work out if you're joking or not. Yeah, yeah it's... I just, just standing there laughing at this poor woman who meant it as a really nice thing, couldn't understand what the problem was. Yeah, it's... it's uh... I've seen it, not even just with my partner, I've seen it with um, uh, Corey, who's a you know, very close friend of both of ours, yeah. and my best mate. People will come up to us after I've just like chewed her ear off for an hour and say, uh, God, must be, he must just make you laugh constantly. Don't you? <laughs> such a fun, having such a funny best friend. And, no, actually, I, I probably find him less funny than anyone else on earth because yeah. I, I actually know what he's like. It's amazing, and we should be very. I'm grateful that this myth persists that we're oh, really yeah. cheerful, funny guys yeah. in real life. Because that, um, and of course, some comedians are. We both know comedians who genuinely are as like they come off stage and they're virtually the same as when Absolutely. they were on stage. But that is not the norm. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. In fact, you've got people who are so nice. Daniel Sloss, right? Yeah. Tries to do a show. But he's just a love. Daniel Sloss is one of the world's nicest 
main. Yeah, he just can't help. He can't being help being cheerful. And yeah. He does shows called Dark when he's aging. You're like <laughs> yeah. Daniel, you're just a nice man. And he's got. He always has press photos that imply that he's drawing on this hidden and darkness and again, as well. It's not. It's not. It's no. He's just not a criticism, nice guy. But he's just much nicer than we are. <laughs> Absolutely, he yeah. is. And he comes backstage and he sits and he has a pint and he's got no problem with it. And he goes, "Oh yeah, I'm doing this. I've got a flat. And I've got a lovely life." La 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 la. Yeah, and a fair play to him. Like, yeah. the, uh, there are plenty of comics like that who are um, normal people. Normal people. People as cheerful as mind you, who do again? We don't know, do we? Like those yeah. people hit thirty-five and something happens to them, yeah. maybe. Or uh, you know, we're part of the. We're probably part of the problem if we're saying because I don't know what I no idea what's going on in in Daniel's life or anyone else's life. But it is true that some comedians are pretty much as you would as the fans would hope them to be. Absolutely. Like that thing of like, oh, I could have a pint with him and he'd be just the same. Um, yeah. Can we? I think that's people have said to me plenty of times that the stand-ups you like are. Um, Ones that you do. Jason Manford's not a bad example, actually. He's had a fair bit of sort of ups and downs in his life, but it, it, knowing Jason reasonably, it probably is true that if you were his fan and you went for a pint with him, it would be everything you hoped it would yes. be. Like he, he's, yeah. he's he's had a complicated life, perhaps, but he's he's um, he is as much like your normal. In fact, I remember Jason used to have a quote that said on his post that said just, just li- like listening to your funniest mate or something, and that's mm-hmm. exactly right. But um, Whereas with me, I I always feel like I'm really glad you you like me and you think I'm nice based on my shows, but you probably don't want to. You probably don't want to have a with me. Actually. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll go for a drink with you, right? But I have to say, facing the door in case someone comes in. Yeah, for and a start. I, can, I can't drink anything out of an open container. Just so you know, I have to yeah. drink a bottle. I have to be near the toilet. I'll go to the toilet a lot as well, just to let you know, because I've got IBS. Felicity Ward's talked about it, just but I've got it as well. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'll be in there whenever Felicity's so, not in there. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So here are my criteria for, for an enjoyable stores. evening. It's funny, right? isn't it? It's, and as soon as you, I mean, there are. I don't know if you've ever been asked to do it, but um, sometimes charities will auction off like an evening with a like a yeah, comedian, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, but not not an act like in real life. And yeah. in fact, I did this recently. I um, but it was bowling. I went bowling with these people that had bid for it for a charity, and I chose that because it's quite a fun activity. There's a thing to do, so you can just you know. Whereas. Um, and, sure, and they were really nice people, and we we did get on. It was fine, but again, the like it's largely about the fact you're, you're doing the bowling. Whereas these people that people that like the the competition prize or the auction thing is just dinner with that comedian. I can't imagine much worse than that. Stonewall really. auctioned off uh, to go to someone's book group. Someone bought it. Right? So you had to do it. And it was only when I was in a car going to a stranger's house that I thought, is this Hang a on a minute. <laughs> I don't know. It turns out they were lovely people, by the way. Absolutely lovely. But again, that's... But I was like, is this yeah. sensible? Have I basically been sold to these people? <laughs> is this... Should I tell people where I'm? I don't even know the. I didn't even know the address. The car turned. I was My like, yeah, is... that is quite confronting. I think. Yeah, and, and that's not going to be many people either. That's going to be like ten people in the yeah, living room. Yeah, it was, it was ten. Yeah, I mean, again, really nice, but at the same time. Yeah, but they didn't have to be. It's like, like at the fringe. Like I've got so many protective barriers. Yeah, about I, rightly. Safety. Yeah. But then at the fringe, I could get a text from an unknown number saying Channel 4 are filming in an underground car park at three in the morning. Do you want to come? And I'd go, yes. And of course you'll go. I will go. <laughs> yeah. Is there a chance of getting on Channel 4? I thought I was too old. Brilliant. Let's do it. Sorry, 50 quid. Yeah, that sounds yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah. Sure. I'd do it for 20. I'll pay you. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever um, gone to therapy at all, Mark? Um, I have, actually. I, again, in this particularly bad period, I, um, I, I saw a therapist for a while and it was a mixed experience on the whole positive there's no doubt it is a good thing to talk to somebody about about it but 
about everything. Just, to, I think most people would gain from talking about mm. what they, what how they feel in a regular, structured way like that. So in that sense, it was good, and the guy was good. Um, I think part of the problem is, well, what I found what I found difficult was that, um, and I think again, this is a problem with overthinking. I quite often felt slightly managed by the situation, like I was being. Uh, because I'm quite interested in psychotherapy anyway, I, I've you know I've read about it. I was kind of aware of being put through a process a lot, and and so I, there'd be questions, and I think, and I'd give a response, and I would then hear the response kind of fed back to me, and so I didn't always feel that as a process I was benefiting from it basically while it was happening. But when I look back on it, I'm glad I did do it because uh, I think therapy is one of those things that often doesn't feel that good while it's happening. But you mm. afterwards, a bit like exercise, maybe like most things, actually, you've got to go through the process and afterwards you, you understand what the benefits of it were. And was, it a, was it a particular type of thing? I had CBT, which I think helped more than anything that's I've interesting. ever done before. I've, th- I've never done CBT. No, this was just kind of general, general therapist. Mm. Um, I have thought about CBT before, specifically because I used to have this uh, phobia of lightning, enormous phobia. And... Um, just couldn't seem to do anything about it and someone suggested cbt just like basically brutally reprogramming my and i liked the idea of it in the end i went on the bear grills show the island <laughs> um where we were just like hit by storms every night so it was the fear was sort of beaten out of me because nothing will ever be that bad again but i don't <laughs> recommend that as a way of dealing no. with the phobia it was just what yeah. happened um but cbt interests me because it's i've I've known it work really well for people and also really fail with other people. Like obviously a particular you need a particular type of response to it for yeah. it to work for you. I mean I think you need you need the right therapist. Yeah. The the problem I think with mental health and mental health funding, apart from the fact you can't see people on the NHS as quickly as you should, yeah. is that actually not all therapists are the right therapists. No. You know that's absolutely and true. And if you're only yeah. offered this is your therapist and you don't like them, what are you gonna do? It's inc- yeah, it's a huge and not very quite intractable problem i think like like you say if you see a gp for 10 minutes it doesn't really matter whether you actually get on with them yeah but it very much does matter if you get on with a well even in some sense even with a doctor that you, you're only there for headaches mm-hmm. still even in that 10 minutes you think well we don't really agree on a lot of stuff so yeah. i'm glad so if that's an hour and you're talking about whether you want to kill yourself or not then yeah, yeah you're right it's it feels way too important a decision for a computer just to match you up with a stranger <laughs> but as you say that's the only way they can do it at the moment on the NHS. The reality of a lot of problems about mental health and depression is that they probably come from quite a painful place. Mm. Um, I'm embarrassed a lot of the time by my own head. I'm embarrassed about how not silly I feel. I don't feel silly. I'm embarrassed by myself. Yeah, it's, it's a really, it's a big problem with the whole thing. You feel you feel shit about whatever, and then you start feeling bad about that, mm-hmm. and then you are in trouble. So to talk about it with someone is difficult. I'm always asked that question: yeah. What's your most embarrassing thing? You know, when you do these five things for the fringe question, yeah. what's the most embarrassing thing? And I would say nothing embarrasses me because everything embarrasses. Y- me. Yeah, my most embarrassing thing is just living my life. <laughs> yeah. I can't tell you one embarrassing thing because literally. I could be here forever telling you. I know. My, they're looking for like, oh, I was once naked and there was something. They're, they're yeah. looking for an anecdote like that. But you're right. People yeah. very different from us have one most embarrassing moment. My <laughs> life is an embarrassment. Yeah. But that, again, is one of the problems. So the CBT was about dealing with 
not being ashamed yeah, of who I was. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Have you, I mean, have you, uh, it's like a year on from, well, it's not a year on, is it? But it's, quite a while has passed since the since Strictly. Have yeah. you, has it made actual, like, long-term differences, do you think? Was it too early I think, to I, say? No, I think it, I think it has. Um, if I've wondered that else, about it I haven't really seen you since it. But, it's you know. brought to the fore a lot of things I need to deal with. Yeah, right. I really need to deal with my body image issue. Yeah. I really need to deal with that. See, that's interesting, because I think, I think the... An outsider would, the narrative they would see is you have the body image issues, you do the dancing, everyone loves you, you tweet saying, oh, I haven't felt that, that like I looked pretty or whatever, mm-hmm. but now I do. And then that's kind of the end of the story. But no, the reality tends to, to be, real life. yeah. So actually it's yeah. more the start of the story really, because now is. you know what you have to do at least yeah. to deal with that. Uh, on Strictly, I've got a wardrobe team and a makeup team and a hair team. And well, I, yeah. they make me look lovely. Yeah, you can't. On a day-to-day basis, you probably can't. can't every have, no. day, Mark. And no. I've made an effort for you today. You, you don't have the sort of <laughs> outfits that we got accustomed to for this. No, you're just, <laughs> you're just wearing normal clothes. Yeah. Um, I, I always like to finish the podcast by giving my guests the opportunity to say whatever they want to, whether it be to themselves when they're depressed, to someone who's listening, anything that you want to say, just in this area of mental health and depression. Anything. Well, I think I said something like this on um, Twitter a couple of weeks ago, and it I seemed to it seemed to go down well. Like it seemed to help some people. So I think I, so. It was Mental Health Awareness Week a couple of weeks ago, and they wanted me to wear one of these. It was a green ribbon, and which I did do, but I was concerned it would just be another one of these things you see on social. You know, there's just so yeah. many of these things. So I wanted to. So I recorded my own message, and basically I just said, I, like every, we're always been taught, told it's important to talk to. People and if you know someone who you think is depressed, talk to them, ask them how they are. And um, I think obviously that's true, but um, a lot of people you've said this a couple of times it's quite hard, to, it's just hard to talk about what's in your head. And the worse you're feeling, the more it feels like, like almost physical effort to do mm. it. So I think that I think one way that social media is really valuable is you can just send someone a direct message or you can text someone, or you know, we've got so many ways of communicating with each other. Um, so, like, if I've got one useful thing to add to the idea of dealing with mental health, I think it's that if you need help or if you think someone needs help, like, try texting them or just send a non-verbal mm-hmm. thing because a lot of the focus is on just take someone out for coffee, give them, a, give them a call. But when I've been at my worst, I've just not been able to... I don't want to go for coffee with people, you know. And, I'm, again, I'm not saying that's it's wrong. Any emphasis on talking, reaching out to people um, has got to be good. But I, I think we we could do more with with like just less personal forms of communication yeah. i think sometimes you feel like you have to take someone out for a drink or coffee or ring them up but i said this to uh sophia i like i don't like talking on the phone at the best of times yeah. even if i'm happy i don't really want to have a conversation on the phone yeah the chances are if i'm depressed i definitely don't want to t- whereas for whatever reason it is quite easy to send someone you know if someone texts me, how are you doing? There's a good chance I will really open up just because some people do prefer that yeah, medium. Absolutely. Especially, like you say, if you are a bit embarrassed or ashamed. I don't feel much shame sending someone an enormous text. I think it's something to do with their time as well. Yes. If I send someone back, a, you know, I'm like, oh, I've, I've really I've really rented at them there. But still, that'll only take them 20 seconds. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, I, whereas if someone's given up an hour of their time to see me, there's just way more yeah. stakes there. So basically, if you're listening to this and you want to help someone or you want to be helped... Um, remember that 
not all conversations are about chatting to someone in a room. You don't even have to see their face. Yeah. Just send, you can send so many different messages these days. Just, just find a way that might work for them. When my friend was depressed, I sent uh, her one of those uh, uh, cards you can get from the internet of just a picture of my face. Yeah. And I <laughs> sent it go. through the post going, I hope this cheers you up. They get, again, yeah. there's a lot of different approaches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, and I sent it a huge one as well, like one of those big life size oh, ones. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that, yeah, I mean, yeah. Because it came through the door and said, what's this? And it was just me going, hiya. There you go. I mean, if that doesn't work, I don't know what, <laughs> no. what someone wants, really. Uh, Mark Watson, thank you very much for talking to Thanks me. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this episode you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you download your podcast from if you like the show do leave us a review as that will help other people find it too and if you want to get in touch then you can email mrs brightside at bbc.co.uk and finally we know this podcast talks about things that might have affected you or someone you know personally if that's the case and you'd like some further info head to the mrs brightside page on the bbc website and we'll put up some links to places you might find useful that was mrs brightside I hope you enjoyed it. Hopefully I'll get to do it again because I love it. I could talk about depression all day, but I have to stop. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Um, I hope you learnt something. And I hope if you're depressed, you realise that you're not alone. Because believe me, there's loads of us out there. Until next time, Calman out. Hello, my name is Josie Long and I present Shortcuts, which is also made by the BBC and available as a podcast. You strike me as somebody who already knows how to access podcasts. You're not going, what's a podcast? Well, it's like a radio show, but you carry it around on your iPod. What's an iPod? I don't feel like that's you. We would love it if you gave us a try. Short documentaries for radio on a theme. It's like a longer documentary, but better, more time efficient. If that sounds like something you're interested in, please subscribe to Shortcuts, however you normally get your podcasts. We promise you, you will not regret the decision. And if you do, we will probably have no way of knowing that. I guarantee. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.